Welcome to the Love Fly podcast. Paul Tizard, creator of Overcome Your Fear of Flying 30 Days and Fear of Flying Coach for 25 years. And today's special guest I'm delighted to welcome is Nick James from Expert Empires, amongst other things. Welcome, Nick. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me on. No, it's absolutely a pleasure. And the reason I wanted Nick to come on this is because I'm part of his mastermind group. And I've had to face quite a lot of my own fears <laughs> to pay you for a start, but it's been been massive. And the other credit I will give you is if anybody's heard me say part of my background is getting 30,000 people to over 30,000 feet, that came from you. So I nicked that. Do you remember that? You put that in one of the comments. I don't remember it, but it one does of yours. sound quite good. So I'm going to take credit. It's one of yours. And so I was thinking with your background and you've done lots and lots of stuff, I thought there'd be some really interesting things for nervous flyers to think about overcoming limiting beliefs and these, you know, these restrictions that we place upon ourselves. So perhaps you could just tell us a little bit about your background and stuff that might be relevant to nervous flyers. First and foremost, as you said, I think, you know, the fear or nervousness around flying isn't dissimilar to the fear or nervousness that you might have in any other area of life. And obviously, mm. Paul, you know, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs, business owners, etc. And we all collectively as entrepreneurs, business owners have to deal with certain fears, certain uncertainties, I, I guess, certain things that we're nervous about or have not done before. And I guess it's not... It's not that different. No. Interestingly, and I wondered if this was going to come up on this interview, and here it is right at the start. I, I, I started getting into understanding the mind and the power of the mind and emotional and mental resilience when I was very young. So um, I think you might know this, Paul, but for those that haven't um, been to any of my events or listened to my podcast, I went to my first Tony Robbins event when I was... 12 years of age and that was in Hawaii and yeah. um, funnily enough at the time I was quite a nervous flyer which is interesting I didn't know that well I never shared it before because it was never relevant so no. I remember um, I remember going over to Hawaii and, and you know it's not a short flight it was like I think there was at least two or three flights to get there from the UK and um, and I remember meeting somebody on um, one of the flights who was also going to Hawaii for the Tony Robbins seminar. Lovely guy. His name's Peter. Um, I forget his last name. Him and his wife were from Ireland and he's a pilot. I mean, I say he's a pilot. This was 25 years ago, so he might not be a pilot anymore. But what was really interesting, and this has stayed with me to this day, is he explained to me the physics of airplanes and how they work. And, and actually that in that, that initially made a big difference to me, like understanding how it works. And Paul, I don't know how you, how you do your trainings and stuff, Mm. but just the simple understanding of the concepts of how flight works made a really big difference to me because all of a sudden it wasn't like this unknown, scary thing that I didn't understand. It was like, actually I understand how it works. So that immediately reduced 
the fear and mm. and of course you know learning a lot of the, t- the tools the the techniques that i learned as a kid and throughout my teenage years and how to how to i guess control your mind your thinking your feelings your emotions your breathing all of these things together effectively reduce that to almost zero and you know i'm now happily fly all over the world when i'm allowed obviously right now um <laughs> i'm actually taking my first flight this weekend paul we're going to mallorca a few nice. of us golfing for the weekend but yeah i literally haven't haven't been on a flight this is probably the longest i've ever not been on a flight for since yeah. i was very young so uh but yeah i think first and foremost i uh, i think the fears that people have about the unknown which are relevant in my world of of coaching and training and mentoring people around business and entrepreneurship aren't that different. I think first and foremost, like a lack of knowledge and understanding of the practicalities of, Mm. in my case, operate a business is where a lot of the fear comes from. Not understanding how to manage money, not understanding the legalities of hiring staff, not understanding how to make sales, not understanding any of this stuff is where a lot of the fear comes from. It's the unknown. And I think flying is no different. Any fear is, is probably similar. So yeah, I think first and foremost, getting educated and understanding for me at a young age, that was learning how airplanes get in the air and stay there, which I just didn't know. Like no one ever teaches you that stuff. No, they don't. When I think about physics lessons at school, like that's practical. Why don't they teach practical physics? Like, why do they teach you stuff that's not practical and not going to be useful or helpful in everyday life? So, yeah, I think I think that first and foremost, understanding the fundamentals of the thing which you fear is probably the first piece. And then the second, of course, is, you know, really understanding how the mind, how the body, how yeah. emotions, how the chemicals in your body work and create a state called fear or create a state called relaxed uncomfortable really understanding all that would be my my second piece of advice i suppose yeah and i think that's really interesting because i've experienced this with you where i saw you do a talk and i and i thought to myself there's lots of parallels so you see somebody and you think do i trust them enough to to be a little bit vulnerable in the and so in this in the scenario that we have it's like joining your mastermind and and parting with some cash and saying i trust you enough that I'm going to go on a journey with you for a year and learn stuff which I don't actually know if it's going to work out and so I have to I have to form trust fairly quickly and I think that the parallel with people who are scared of flying is that they have to look at cabin crew pilots etc and think do I trust them with my life yeah yeah no so you've I didn't know that you'd had a fear of flying well I'm glad you got it sorted anyway because you know I would have done you a good rate, actually. Well, yeah, thank you. Uh, well, I think the, the where I was fortunate was that this all happened very early on in my life. So I was like, you know, 12 years of age or something. Mm. So, so at that point in your life, you're still forming your beliefs. You're still forming your opinions about certain things and giving certain things meanings. And I think, I'm not sure if you could uh, attest to this, but I suspect that helping adults, grown-ups, people who are a little bit more mature, let's say, overcome their fear 
of flying in your case or, you know, uh, of starting a business or doing things that they're never done before. In my case, my experience is that having people overcome those fears is more challenging the older they become. And the younger you catch it almost, the easier it is to overcome. So I was quite fortunate in that a lot of my fears of flying, of starting a business, of whatever it might be, were essentially removed at a very young age because I was fortunate enough to be around Mm. people that were highly successful entrepreneurs and business owners. As a kid, I was fortunate enough to learn how the mind and body and brain and emotions all work together either for you or against you i was fortunate to learn all that at a very young age so yeah i think there's a great schooling is it you've been through i mean i've been on the tony robbins stuff not as much as you have and you do you pick up lots and lots of tips that can be applied and i would wager that if i was to bring a nervous flyer towards you you probably have got enough in your toolkit i hate that expression but i can't think of something better at, at short notice to probably help them what would you do so i've so I've, I've produced a nervous flyer how would you help them applying the sort of skills that you've honed over the years oh that's a that's a question out of left field i've never had that one so yeah um well, give it a try how, how would i approach it? well f- first of all i'd ask them like what is it they're fearful of like i'd, mm-hmm. I'd try and understand the fear more mm-hmm. so that you can I guess, and you're smiling, going, this is exactly what I do, maybe. I don't know. I need <laughs> to understand. Good. That's because, good. Because, <laughs> by the way, what, what I assume the fear is might not be the fear at all. So you can't make yeah. any assumptions. I'd say, yeah. what, what is the fear? Explain it to me. Mm. And I guess from there, I would then I would then dig into it. For, for me, one of the first things that I would always do is actually nothing to do with solving that problem, but it's more creating desire and motivation in the person to solve that problem so i'd find out what is it that it's you know this fear how is it a problem for you what's it costing you what's it preventing you from being able to do to be to have where where can't you go what experiences can't you have hang on hang on nick this is good shit let me write this down (laughs) you're taking the bread from my mouth this is great keep going (laughs) And, and 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 then on the flip side like you know so when we get this solved what's what's going to be possible for you how will it feel what are you going to be able to do what are you going to be able to experience and and so first of all before we actually go to addressing the fear the problem it's like why is it important so you want the person to be like i desperately desperately want to need to have to solve this problem come hell or high water and then you can go to work on the thing itself and that might be, you know, if they just don't have a basic understanding of the mechanics, the physics of flight, then educating, explaining that to them. If it's something different that they need to understand, then you would educate and explain that. But the, the key thing really is just learning. For me, I mean, look, fear is just a state. And we can choose to experience any state we want at any time. And Um, that's my belief and of course there are triggers that we've developed over time where a certain trigger will we think automatically create a state and all that's happened is that we've linked that trigger and that state and so we just got to unlink that trigger and that state and replace it with something that's a bit more helpful and I'm sure this is the work that you do, Paul. Oh, it's brilliant. No, but that's exactly, yeah. I, I, I took a guess. I thought, 
with your background, I reckon I could put someone in front of it. Absolutely what you've just described, because it is identifying what's what's the pain points, making no assumptions. Let me understand it from your point of view. And then also changing the, you know, noticing what people's triggers are, but then thinking what would be a, a good thing to move towards as well. Yeah. And look, uh, uh, you know, a, a fear or you might even label it a phobia. But my understanding is the definition of a phobia is an irrational fear mm. of some description that you don't have any control over or you don't think you have any control over. Mm. So so for, for me, it's it's making that irrational fear and bringing it back to rationality and going, right, okay, so is it rational to have some fear maybe this is not where you want this to go, Paul, but is it rational to have some fear of being in a plane and dying? Well, Hmm. is it possible? Yeah. But Hmm. then again, is it more possible, less possible, more likely, less likely than crashing your car on the motorway and dying? Probably less likely, yet most people don't have any problem going into a car and driving Mm. down the motorway at 70 or even 80 or 90 miles an hour. And there's no fear. Well, why is that? Because they've rationalized that and they haven't rationalized Mm. the fear of flight. So it doesn't really make any sense. So I think it's identifying that as well and, and playing around with shaking that belief a little bit that flying equals danger and being in a car doesn't, well, where did that come from? Like yeah. what, where did, where did you reach that conclusion? Because, you know, I'm sure you could give me loads of data and statistics that would show absolutely the opposite is in fact true. And again, to bring this back to anyone, I think we're probably going to publish this on the Empire Builders podcast as well. And there might be the odd person listening who has a fear of flying and should definitely check out Paul and, and find out more. We'll put, you know, when we put this on our podcast, we'll put a link to his website and stuff in our show notes, but link this back to fear of the unknown in business or in entrepreneurship or in any area of life. Yeah. It's the same stuff. Mm. It's the same stuff. It's most of the time, the fears we have are completely irrational. And so we need to really question and dig into that fear and ask ourselves, well, you know, is this rational or not? And, yeah. you know, in, in the majority of cases, it won't be. Really, I, I honestly believe that a lot of it is down to research and data and understanding. And the more you dig in and understand the thing, whether that's flying or whether that's, you know, starting a business or whether that's, you know, um, anything that, you, that you're fearful of, then once you understand it and you've got some data around it, then you can rationalize and therefore take control over your beliefs, your opinions about that thing. One of the things I've noticed... So it depends on what's going on for people, but I'm curious because you have probably over the years of of trying to entice people to come onto your programs, have seen fear states kick in. What are the signs that you notice when people are in a fear state? And then how do you help them out of that? Oh, so, I mean, I'll answer the question, but I, I guarantee that any person listening to this could answer the question mm. because it's fairly universal. So like fear state, I mean, I'll almost guarantee that anyone in a fear state has a certain pattern of breathing is probably the first big giveaway. And and can you see, can you see that when you're doing what you do? 
course. That's stuff you notice? If yeah. you're not, if, if you're looking for it, anyone can see it. I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist. To, look, we all, we, we all have this ability. We just don't know that we've got this ability a lot of the time. You can look at anybody and pretty quickly determine if they're in a fear state or they're in a, a relaxed state or a confident state. And yes. the way that you unconsciously come to that decision is by observing their physiology, their body language, and that could be their breathing pattern. It could be how they're standing, how they're sitting, their facial expression. Yeah. All of these things will be, you know, I guess, key indicators of the state they're in. You can also sense the state somebody's in by their language patterns, maybe even the tonality of their voice, you know, which in turn, of course, um, or, or that's often triggered by breathing patterns as well, which is why, by the way, breathing is number one, the fastest way to change state in any situation. You're smiling because, of course, you I love know, that. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's the, the parallels. Parallels yeah, are great. What you do. So you, you can yeah. you can pretty much tell when somebody's in fear state just by the, the two most obvious are their, their physiology, what's going on in their body and their language patterns. And with language patterns, I put tonality in there and speed of speech and all of these different things. So, you know, you, you can pretty much read somebody's state from that. And of course, on the flip side, when you're in it, those are also the things that you can, yeah. that you can control and you can use to change the state, the feeling, the emotion you're experiencing. I don't know if you if you're a tennis fan, Paul. Those that are listening may or may not be, but last night I was watching Wimbledon with my wife. There's a young girl called Emma Radakanu, I think is her name. She's 18 years of age and she's mm. played in the first ever major tournament. Mm. Um, and she was in like the last, it was in the last 16 or something. So it's by far and away the biggest match she'd ever played in her life. And and you could tell that she was overwhelmed by the whole occasion. And, you know, a breathe, she was struggling to breathe in between sure. points. And, you know, I mean, afterwards, basically, that she had to retire from the match, and which was a real shame. And, and they said, you know, she had to retire because she was having difficulty breathing. And so I don't know, and I'm making massive assumptions that might be unfair or incorrect, but I'm going to assume that that was down to the occasion i.e. like she was a combination between super nervous and in fear and super excited and all of these things going on and she's 18 and you know like it's difficult to control all that stuff and literally her body just went like into massive shock yeah, and yeah. couldn't breathe properly and that's take her off the court and she couldn't continue and that's a forfeit the match which is a real real shame you know and, and I mean the great thing is I'm sure She's got plenty of people around her, coaches, trainers, et cetera, that can work with her and, you know, that she'll probably never have that problem again. Now yes. she's had it. But, you know, it just shows you that in any situation, whether it's flying, whether it's like, I, I obviously, as you know, Paul do a lot of public speaking and, and again, I've done that over many, many years. And in my younger days, in my early career, like I would deal, I'd have to deal with all of this fear and stuff before I'd go on to speak. And now not so much, I'm, a lot more experience, albeit do I have that kind of nervous excitement before I go on and do a big gig? Absolutely. I was going to ask you that, actually, because I do a lot of public speaking as well, and I still get nervous, but I, I see it as I'm more worried if I'm not worried. Yeah, exactly. That. Is well, it the well, same for you? 
Absolutely. But here's the thing. All you've just, all you've just shared is a belief that you have. Yeah. And that is a helpful belief to have, is it not? Like yeah. if your belief was, when I feel like this, that means like I'm in trouble and mm. I'm not going to know what to say and yeah. the nerves are going to get the better of me. If that's your belief, then that's going to create a different reality yeah. to yeah. when I'm feeling this way, like my belief, slightly different wording, but the same as yours. When I feel this way, that means I'm ready to perform at my best. Yeah. Like if I'm not feeling that way, I'm probably going to give a seven out of 10. If I'm feeling that way, I'm bringing the heat and it's going to be a nine out of 10 performance. And I'm going to like the whole place is just going to be like absolutely hanging on my every word. So I use that and I've created that meaning yes. for that feeling. And, and like, again, I'm not an expert on physiology or, or chemistry or biochemistry or anything like that. But what I will say is that the feeling that some people call nerves or nervousness or fear is very, very close and very similar to the feeling of excitement. I agree. It's just a, a label that we put on it. And so I go, hey, what, why am I feeling this way? Because I'm excited. Because yeah. I'm about to go and do something that's mm. going to make a big impact and that, I'm, that I've not done before. And it's it's different. It's exciting to me. So, you know, I think it's just a lot of the times it's the 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 label we put on the emotion or it's the belief we've created about what that feeling means that causes us to react, behave, operate in a certain way. And you're always in control of the meaning you give something, always. Now, I know that that isn't probably everybody's opinion or mm. that opinion of mine isn't to everybody. Well, let's opinion. just rewind a bit because you mentioned earlier when you were younger and you have to, you know, so now I see, I've seen you do the public speaking stuff and you don't look nervous at all. You know, you look like you're, you're loving it. The same for me when I'm up there, I'm just in my zone. But there's a point where we have to do certain stuff to get to that. And you mentioned in your early days that you had to do some things to help yourself overcome what was perhaps labelled as fear. What, what what sort of things would you do to change your state? Well, before I even talk about that, the first things first was, was training and practice. Mm. So like putting yourself on a stage in front of hundreds of people when you've never done it before is likely to create fear and yeah. panic yeah putting yourself on stage in front of 500 people or whatever when you've practiced that presentation many many times mm. i'm not saying you're not gonna have a little bit of yeah whatever that feeling is but you can lean on your practice it's uh, again i always find sporting analogies i'm such a sports fan but like you know that they they say that, you know, professional footballers, and of course, we're in the middle of the European Championships at the moment. In fact, I'm going to the semi-final to see England against Denmark tomorrow night. But like, you know, let's say the game goes to penalties, which I really hope it doesn't because I'll be more fearful and nervous than the yeah. play. But what they're now practising more now than ever to, to create the habit, the muscle memory, yeah. the, so that in the moment, are they going to be nervous? Yeah, but you can lean on and default to your practice and public speaking is the same. Yes. So when I did my first ever public presentation, I remember I was early, I was in my early twenties and I had rehearsed the presentation. I'm not even exaggerating. I must have delivered that presentation 20 or 30 times yeah. Yeah. before I ever delivered it live. Mm. As in I, I delivered it in front of a camera and then watched myself back 
I delivered it in front of a mirror. I delivered it in front of one or two other people that had given me feedback. Literally, I'd done it so many times that when I got on stage for the first time, yes, I was nervous, yeah. but I was on autopilot, essentially. Yeah. All I yeah. had to do was just resort back to my training, my practice. So the first things first, I had a lot of training on public speaking. So, Mm. you know, when it came to using my voice, tonality, when it came to body language, gestures, movement on stage, all of that, I'd I'd done so much training, it was automatic. I almost didn't have to think about it. The content, the things that I was saying were automatic because I'd rehearsed it so many times. It was almost like a script that, you know, an actor would would practice and, and mm. read and rehearse again and again. Mm. So on show night, it was just like autopilot, yeah? And how now, long did it, before you started to actually, to not be an autopilot and enjoy it? Yeah, I'd say for that specific, so I'm talking about my very, very first yeah. kind of public presenting experiences. I was, yeah, I, I wasn't that long. I'd say, I'd say it was probably only a, a couple of months or, or so, but I was doing a lot of speaking. I was doing a lot of presentations. But to begin with, it was all pretty much scripted, as in, yeah. like, the presentation was almost the same word for word every time. Now, that'll only get you so far, because then what happens when something happens that you have not prepared for? <laughs> so, you know, so now I don't practice rehearse my presentations word for word. I've got, okay, here's the key things that I want to get across. Mm. Bang, let's go. And I, and I can just roll and do it naturally because I've done yeah. it so many times. Yeah. And I've got my little go-to phrases and, and, and things that I know work, make an impact, make people laugh, all of these things. But I think to start off with, I don't think it's a bad idea to have it essentially scripted, rehearsed, like nailed, because it, it just takes one, it, it takes one thing a way that you need to worry about or think about yeah. whereas you know with experience you can you can kind of just um freestyle a little bit more and enjoy it you know because you get to a point when you go being on stage is second nature it's completely comfortable it feels yeah. no different than sitting around at home chatting to my family it just it feels that natural because i've spent so much time mm. doing no i um, can relate to that yeah it takes time like anything, yeah. it's time. So it's, it's up there, isn't it? With the top three, fear of public speaking. I'm not sure where fear of flying would fit overall, but I know it's one in five have a fear of flying, which is yeah, yeah. about well, 10 or well, 12 million in the UK. Again, I don't have the, I don't have the data, but my understanding is that public, the fear of public speaking ranks higher than the fear of death for, for, for most people. Now, now I, I mean, that's it's a ridiculous stat, but I think it comes from surveys where they say what's your what's the thing you're most fearful of and more people say public speaking than death now in actual fact if you gave people a multiple choice questionnaire i'm pretty sure they'd put death above public speaking but the the point is 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 true anyway that there are a lot well it's it's perceived because you feel like when people say i died on stage because it's a it's a perception that i could die on stage because it feels like it's it's worse than death actually which is looking an arse in front of an audience well i actually got heckled in my first ever public presentation which is pretty much the worst thing that could possibly happen Mm. when you're speaking but actually it was the greatest (laughs) gift that i could have had because i didn't die but the thing was after that like genuinely i was like hey that happened and 
it wasn't pleasant and it wasn't mm. ideal, but I didn't die. Nobody died. And like, I go, if that's the worst thing that could possibly happen, and it happened the first time I did a speech, yeah. then like, I know that that's the worst thing that can happen. So yeah. I could kind of just, from that point on, I think it actually helped me and made me a better speaker that I had that experience first time out the gate. And, you know, so, so those little experiences aren't necessarily a bad thing. What about now then? Do you have any, what scares you now? What, do you have any fears? It's funny, you know, the, the more, the more experiences I have, the less things I'm fearful of. I did, I did a, um, a wolf run at the weekend just gone. I haven't heard of one of those. So it's, it's kind of like, a, it's a 10k race with like a salt course and you're crawling oh, right, right. through mud yeah. and climbing yeah. up high things and, you know, wading through ponds and lakes and all sorts of stuff. No idea. What, well, my wife wanted to do it. She kind of, hmm. she thought it'd be a big challenge for her. She'd never done anything like that. And then I agreed to kind of do it as, as support really for her more than anything. And, and actually, so you've asked me about fear and before I was nervous and I might even call that fear. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, because I didn't know what I was in for. I didn't yeah. hadn't done it before. I was yeah. like uncertain. The unknown mm. was what concerned or, or made me scared. If I'd actually taken the time to get information about, well, how far is the swim and mm. how deep is it? Mm. And practice beforehand. I hadn't done any of these things, by the way. I was literally, all I knew was there was a swim and you're doing it in, <laughs> in your gear like your trainers and your running gear and stuff which by the way like i've never done that so i, I go can i even swim in clothes i have no clue let's see shall we so there was a lot of unknowns mm. um, and i didn't know how far it was and i didn't know how deep it was and it was all so that was the bit that scared me or concerned me because i didn't know about it and then of course when i actually got to it it was probably 25 meters 50 meters and and it was it was a doddle but but that was the bit that concerned me beforehand yeah I, yeah no, I was too, it was too much of an unknown. And, you know, like if, if I was to do it again next weekend, my, you know, if I had a fear meter, uh, zero to 10, I was probably beforehand, I was probably like a seven, mm. um, which is you know, relatively high for me. Um, yeah. But if I was doing it again this weekend, I'd be a zero because I've done it before. So I think a lot of time it's references, experiences. So you, you ask what am I fearful of now? <sighs> I don't know, really. Like, there, there isn't anything that really jumps out, stands out that I'm fearful of. That said, you know, there's probably a load of random stuff that I've never done before that if you said, we're doing this, would I be scared? Yeah. So, oh, like, I've never done anything extreme. Like, I've never done a skydive. Mm. That would be, for me, that would be fear of, like, an eight or a nine, probably. Yeah. Because I've never done it before, but I'm sure if I did it, then the fear would drop down to like a two or so, three. So that is an extreme. So so you're you know you're a guy that is able to deal with a lot of things that a lot of people couldn't do. Like for example, speaking in front of hundreds of people, running mastermind groups, get you know getting people to invest in what you do and stuff. So you, your fear threshold is probably a lot higher. So now we're talking about this. Oh hello, well, there's something here. Come on. Here's the interesting thing though. I think all fears are context dependent. Mm. So some of the stuff that I take in my stride, like my fear around public speaking is like a 0.1 out of 10. My fear around running a business and having like people that are financially reliant upon me 
Yeah. He's like a very low amount of fear. I have, because I'm very self, I'm, I'm over the last 13 years plus that I've been running businesses. I've built up a lot of references and I, I, yeah. I, I now have strategies and things that I know how to do well. So my level of fear on those is very slim. I'm, I'm relatively, I don't really have any fears or concerns around taking risks. Like, you know, often I'll, I'll speak to certain members of my team and they're like, how on earth do you even sleep at night with all this going on? I'm like, I, I was going to ask you that. Actually. I'm just pretty, I'm just very, again, it's experience. I'm just laid back because these are things that I know and that yeah. I'm familiar with and that I've got, you know, if there's a big problem that shows its face, I've probably dealt with it before or something similar. Mm. So it's not, not fearful. Mm. Then again, so some people, all the things that I just described, they're like a 10 out of 10 fear. Yeah. But then, then again, I guarantee there was people who did the wall front at the weekend who'd never done it before, and they were like a one out of ten fear, and I was probably a seven. So it's all relative to yes. experience, self belief. You know, my my self belief around my physical capabilities when it comes to swimming, running, climbing, all these things. I'm not that high. I'm not. I'm not in bad shape, but I don't do a lot of. Yeah. that kind of stuff yeah and um, like when i do when i go to the gym i don't really do any cardio or anything like that it's all just weights and stuff so my, mm. my, my my level of certainty in my own ability in that regard is pretty low whereas my level of certainty in public speaking or running a business is pretty high so i, I think everyone has different things that they built certainty and confidence around yeah so it's it, so the preparedness is something which is a theme which is running through your world and also you know, something I talk about with people who are trying to beat their fear of flying. You know, if I take your analogy of practice you know, 20, 30 times during the presentation, they don't always get that chance to do that because they might do one or two flights a year. So it's it's practicing actually the other stuff, which is around controlling your state, your breathing, as we talked about. That's a big one in my world, getting your knowledge base up, satisfying the sort of the logic and also the less logical fears there's lots of questions that people have and i think that that's something which is common to both of our worlds if i was speaking to somebody that was experienced uh, experiencing a fear of flying you said what would you do and i, I explained mm. there's a couple of other things i'd add one would be mental rehearsal so because the brain doesn't actually know often the difference between reality yeah. and imagine it's why yeah. sometimes you can have a dream and in the dream it feels so real doesn't it like often sometimes you'll wake up in the middle of the night like sweating because yeah. dream, and and it's not real but it felt no. so real yeah. and often the the brain doesn't really understand or know the difference between mental rehearsal and reality so mental rehearsal will be one thing i'd recommend the other thing i'd say is if you really want to conquer your fear of flying yes get training yes get help yes get support yes get coaching do mental rehearsal and take as many flights as possible like seriously i go like the more you yeah. do it the more comfortable yeah. you're going to become so why would you not and yeah i think part of i mentioned you know when i was very young had a, a i wouldn't say it was a massive fear or phobia but it was certainly there was some mm -hmm. fear in me around flying like i flew a lot <laughs> as a as a as a as a kid and and i actually remember at certain points by the way when i was a bit older like and i hadn't flown as much that fear would come back and it was probably only really in my in my kind of early my mid twenties where you know I got into the habit of flying so much where li literally I mean I, I was taking at one point I was probably taking 20, 30 flights a year that you know that become then it becomes almost yeah 
that's almost one a week. So yeah. it's like, then it becomes like second nature really. So mm. I think mm. there's a number of things. There's, there's the, the coaching, the training, the understanding that I spoke about before and really, you know, having, um, getting educated about the practicalities. Yeah. Then there's the mental rehearsal, i.e. the practice, like I explained with the public speaking. And then ultimately, you know, there's no substitute for doing it. There's no, no. substitute for no. being on stage in front of an audience and delivering presentations. There's no substitute for, you know, getting on the flight and going on that flight. There's no substitute for being in the stadium full of supporters and taking the penalty. The more you do it, the more regularly you do it. The, um, the, yeah. the more well, Just one little caveat I'd add to that, which I think if we bring it to the presentation world, is that doing lots of flights you've got to do something different consistently. So going on, because some people will go, you know, it's like presenting. If you get up and every time you die on stage, you're just repeating bad performances. So it's like, so trying to change your thinking. And I think that's something that's... That's, that's why I said it starts with the training, the coaching, the work on the mindset, the mental rehearsal, the, the all those things have to come first. Yeah. And then it's doing it regularly. Yeah. Nick, thank you very much. You've got... a something coming up soon do you want to promote it whilst you're on here because i think there's a lot of similarity here people have a fear of like starting businesses etc so i know you've got an event coming up you've got an expert empires beginning of september second yeah, and third yeah, is that right yeah so second and third of september we are back running our expert empires event live in person for the first time in <laughs> nearly two years wow um last live event was november 2019 so yeah nearly two years we're at the hilton at wembley which is our kind of second home and we've got amazing speakers who are um so one of them is a guy called ed mylet who uh, my listeners will know but paul yours might not he's been listed as one of the top 50 wealthiest under 50s on the planet and uh, has built a, a social media following of many many millions of people he's coming to the uk for the first time ever to speak on stage at expert empires we've got an incredible lineup of speakers who have amazing built highly successful businesses so you know if if the business part of what we've spoken about has resonated you've got some fear you've got some uncertainty you want to get yourself in an environment around other people who have already built successful businesses who can yeah. teach you their strategies yeah. their tactics and push yourself outside your comfort zone a little bit then our Expert Empires event might be a great way for you to do that. Yeah, just get yourself over to expertempires.com uh, and you can get all the details there. Nick, fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me on. And I always enjoy doing podcasts, which are a little bit out of left field and they're a little bit different to the norm. And like I said, yeah. we'll put this on on our podcast, the Empire Builders podcast as well. And I'm sure there'll be some people listening that the, the, the mm. discussion about fear of flying will be directly relevant mm. for. And if not, just generally the overcoming fear in your life in business you know like i said life in general i think i think will be um will be really valuable so thanks for having me on i've really enjoyed brilliant. it brilliant thank you